0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Season 2, Higher Balance Classics, Timeless Teachings.
2: Rebel Guru Radio is sponsored by Cramp Medic, the most powerful cramp-fighting supplement on the market.
3: I think it's an excellent product. I can honestly say for myself, and this is of course uh, difficult to say because it's coming from me, but I hope you take my word on it. I don't think there's anything out there better than Cramp for leg cramps. I used to get them on a near daily basis, maybe every couple days. I know that uh, when I had my motorcycle or bicycle, uh, my legs would be the worst. I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Uh, there have been times where I've thought about, maybe I should go to the emergency room. Since I've used Cramp Medic, I probably use one serving, and I will not have to reach into using this again probably for two, two and a half weeks. That is more than double what I felt was recommended—like once for every seven days. That's how effective it is. I do think that people need to use it for two to three times to build up somehow in your in your system. We have mainly all positive reviews. Apple cider vinegar is what is going to reduce, you know, acid buildup in your muscle tissue very rapidly. Cayenne pepper is going to to expand your capillaries to move that blood into those tight, cramping muscles that just do not want to let blood in there to soften it. It is very, very effective. It is going to get in there electrolytes very fast. It's going to do the job. It's just a great product. And that's what I have to say about it, crampmedic.com. The other thing I wanted to say is the Higher Balance Institute Store, HBI, or higherbalance.com. We've worked very hard at reducing and slashing the pricing, trying to keep it as a mainstay price form. People have said over the years it's too expensive for them and they can't afford it. Uh, I don't know what the next excuse is going to be because it is extremely affordable. Um, we're doing our best to do that. Having Cramp Medic, finding other stuff to maneuver around so we can keep this thing going uh, has allowed us to bring those prices down. Uh, we do have a lot, a lot of material, a lot of classes that are really excellent, I feel. Uh, you know, going probably for several dollars, some of those classes I've uh, probably at least 70, 80% off of what we charge, maybe even more. Uh, One thing we may do is maybe change around in the store, like uh, uh, bi-monthly or something, which modules we're offering. Because there's so many, I think people get lost in it. So if there is something you want, I strongly suggest you grab it before we start moving it around. But it will come available again. It just may take six months to a year before all those other ones start arriving uh, back for availability. And we're going to start taking down some probably to try to keep some organization to just the, the bulk of uh, information here, which I'm very proud of. Um, so that's what I have to say on that. Please check out Higher Balance Institute, uh, you know, or higherbalance.com and uh, support higher balance. Please get and uh, try out uh, Medic for family, friends, anybody who has leg muscle problems or any kind of muscle problems in particular. It, it truly is the best product out there. No foams, no creams. You don't have to run to the bathroom if you're working at the office to put on foams on your leg by pulling on your pants and trying to get to your legs. Uh, No need for tablets. One shot, seven days. Phenomenal.
0: If you are interested in acquiring Eric Pepin's books, visit higherbalancebooks.com.
2: Realize that it is in all of our nature to help people. That is a white cell thing, is to feel this need to give. I can't explain it fully, I can give you a good understanding of it, but it's this need to give, this need to help, this need to support, this need to nurture, this need to love, this need to direct, this need to give, and it runs deep in us. The problem is, is that we have to realize that. We can give now to a few and it's going to take everything from us. Or we can take the time that we're given to the few and focus it so we can learn what we need to learn and to become who we need to become to enrich us, to grow strong. You can, you can take a tree and plant it, and if it bears one or two fruits or whatever and start picking everything off, you, you're taking the strength of the tree away from it, more or less. You have to have patience with it and let it grow strong and large, lots of leaves, let it empower itself before you start weighing its demands on it. If you start using it right away, it diminishes it from its ability to grow to its full potential. If you're saying you're picking leaves because you need to do something with the leaves and if you're leaving only a few, it's the energy it needs to get to where it needs to go. If you could just be patient, it could feed so many, it could give to so many if you would let it grow. And it's the same thing. What you have to realize is you're not always going to be able to make everybody happy you're not always going to be able to help everybody you're not always going to be there for everybody okay you can do the best that you can but people will always always use you up it's in human nature sometimes i think to want 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 but very rarely it's seldom give and not that we have a problem with that we're very giving people we're very very giving but the point is is you have to say to yourself and me as a teacher I look at you and I say, do you have this strength to do what you need to do to step away from people so that you can become strong enough someday to help many? You're more good in the end. The need for the many outweighs the need for the one or the two or the three. And you have to realize that at this stage of the game. And so it always goes full circle. You know, you can look at it in any way you want, but you know, you got to build your life around your spirituality, not your spirituality around your life, and then you have to make selective choices. And and be careful not to burden yourself. I just want to be very loud and clear about how I feel about this. And I'm very firm about this. I I feel very strongly about, you know, you've got to go to school. You've got to achieve that. No one else is going to be able to feed you. No one else is going to take care of you necessarily in life. And the main person that you need to count on mostly in life is yourself. That's being self sufficient. That's being individually strong. It's okay to, to turn to people for nurture and love. But, you know, even though that person's intentions may be the best that they're going to take care of you, it doesn't mean that in life something horrible doesn't happen to them and then they can't help you and they're not there no more. Or, or, God forbid, that you have to take care of them. So, making yourself strong and capable in life is very important. And I, I think that's something that, that I, as an influential person in, in people's lives, have to have on my ethics list as being a high priority, that I'm supportive of that, and that you don't feel that you're going to lose out on something or that I don't make the effort to to compensate you for your time. Do you see what I'm saying? And I can only help you as much as you communicate to me what's going on in your life. Okay? Okay. So, where are we now? So, you've been listening to some of the old classes um, while you've been working or whatever, and you have that opportunity to listen about, what, four hours, eight hours a day for the last, what, month? Anyway, so you know, I'm sure you, I hopefully you have some good questions for us. And, you know, I shouldn't really word it as good questions because I think questions are always good. It's just from what perspective and, and what the answer means to you. So um, I think that, we're just going to have a little open forum. You guys can ask me whatever you want tonight, and we're just going to have a potluck and see where it takes us.
4: Um, The first question I have uh, is regarding entities. Uh To be able to see certain things dimensionally, Uh you must reach a certain uh, tonal vibration. Uh Um, My question was, do entities need to change tonals to affect this tonal reality? Um, or is it a simple matter of concentration of energy?
2: The question is, in order for people to see entities or to experience them on a a willful level, like you are choosing to to look or seek for them, uh, it is acknowledged that you have to raise your tone or raise your energy, which some people may not understand what that means, which we may get into or not, uh the question from that is, Is do entities need to change their tonal in order to see us or to affect us? And the answer is very simple. Uh, you can, I can word it, what goes up must come down. Uh, an entity is purely on another frequency. That frequency, just because we say a higher frequency or lower frequency, it's really again terminology in our way of perception that we use it. And it's really not true to say that, a higher frequency or a lower frequency. It's true to say it's a different frequency. So in order for them to move into our frequency, naturally they have to effectively will or control their consciousness enough that they can come here. Okay, This is very difficult to do. As you know, it's difficult for you to reach another level. Think about how difficult it is. If it was easy to do, I would think that there would be so many entities moving through here, it would be profound. Okay, So now when you really think about this, You know, I see that some people have a certain smile on their face or like, that makes sense because it's that difficult for us to move into that frequency as it is for them to move into ours. And this is why there's so few in in between. And this is largely uh, another factor is because you always say really the most gifted people or the most skilled people can move into those dimensions. Well, when you think about the entities that come in here, okay, they seem to be pretty amazing. Well, of course they are because they're very disciplined wherever they're coming from. Now, there are a few rare exceptions. There's always exceptions to the rule. You must remember this, okay? Um, there's no way to explain every detail in our life to somebody, every circumstance in a general conversation. There's always some, some you know, throw-in that you can't think of or you haven't thought of or, or there's many complexities. So whenever we have conversations like this, we're, we're covering the generality so that you get the concept and you can work with it, okay? But it's, it's true to say that sometimes entities are powerful beings who should be in a, another dimension. They're energy beings. Their consciousness should have shifted. But because of their state of consciousness, they're stuck in this dimension. It's like they're they're almost stuck in this frequency because of how they're thinking or some other part of their deeper psyche. It's to say that some people, I think, that could be in an insane asylum, they're seeing things constantly and hearing things constantly, and they cannot relate to us in this realm and we think they're insane when the reality is there's a very good chance in some cases, some, okay, that they're stuck in that higher frequency, and they're, they're somehow, because their physical body here, they're trapped in it. And what are they doing? They're acting insanely. They're doing things that seem irrational to us, perhaps even violent or frustrated. Could you imagine being stuck in something forever, and you you you, you, you somehow have people intrude on you, and you can get a piece of their reality hitting you, and it, it seems very difficult to cope with? Well, when I... Observe entities that, that people call demons or, or smashing things or kicking things or acting violently. I can't help but to realize that these are beings that should be in another frequency that are stuck in our frequency somehow. And they're reacting, you know, irrationally because they can't relate to things how we perceive them here. But in our position, we see them from our frequency in a perception that doesn't deem it anything but insanity or violence or evil or aggressive. So not every violent entity necessarily is violent. How much compassion do you have? And not, you know, it gets into a whole, you know, a whole mixing pot of, of possibilities. And therefore, as I says, whenever you get into a circumstance like, like, you know, where you're dealing with an entity, don't always presume that this entity is necessarily evil, but certainly, you know, Presume that you need to take caution no matter what. Do you see what I'm saying? And, and of course, you know, patience with that. But does that answer your question?
4: Yeah, excellent. And I've heard a lot of things that
2: I've never heard before. Right, right. Well, this is why we do these because, you know, I always say if people would just simply write down their questions, you would learn so much more. And no 60 minute class or four hour class or even a 10 hour class in the this subject this is completely going to cover it. That's like saying you're going to cover the topic of art in a day. I mean, it's just not feasible. Go ahead. Is
5: there a difference between dimensional beings and entities?
2: Mm. Well, dimensional entities and entities, we we tend to use words a lot that are are kind of vague. And we almost have gotten to the point where we've created our own language. And it's almost like you gotta listen to these conversations and have me break it down when new people ask things. Just so you can go, oh, I mean you know, it makes sense. When we say dimensional beings and we say entities, entities generally mean beings that are dimensional beings in our own reality here in what we consider our physical dimension that we relate in. So if something were to say there's an entity or a ghost, ghost is usually referred to as an entity. Um, so we we use the word entity and naturally assume it's a being from this or in this dimension. A dimensional being would be a being that's necessarily in another dimension. Okay? Now if we were in that dimension, you could call them an entity. or if we were in that dimension, we would be called an entity. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's not necessarily to say that that's exactly, you know in Webster's dictionary, what it would mean in a dictionary sense, but because we are dealing with such a vast paranormal, you know, universe that I work with and, and I give insight to, um, we sometimes have to coin our own little phrases to kind of navigate through all of this information. And in that process, words sometimes take on multiple meanings. And so you you almost have to be around long enough to kind of know specifically what we mean by that. It's it's to say. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of words that we use that have multiple meanings. Okay, and I hate to get into the the, the negative context of the F word, but I mean you, you can think of there's a lot of variables, positive, negative, and indifferent that you can come up with. It, it's kind of the same way we we've come up with different phrases to keep it simple. And I think in the process of keeping things simple, there's a different kind of complexity that's that's come out of that. So,
5: now if we were to go into the entity's reality, mm-hmm. would they be surprised to see us?
2: I think so. I think that in many cases sometimes entities um, or, or dimensional beings if we 're going to look at it that way um, do react to us sometimes surprised or shocked or or you know how to relate to us. In some cases, um, when we do move into other dimensions, it is in many cases they don't even sense us. It's like the same reason why a lot of entities would be here and we don't even sense them. When, we, when we're thinking about these different dimensions, we're really thinking in very crude levels. We're like saying, like lane one, lane two, lane three, lane four. And if you're in it, we're assuming, well, you can see everything there. It's to say that I always say there's micro lanes in each lane. Do you follow what I'm saying? There's like a thousand little microlines. So even though you're in that other dimension, you're still not of that perfect calibration to fully be there. And the means by how you're getting there is really you moving your consciousness into that dimension, per se, than to really say that you're actually going there because your main being is here and until you've actually left your main vessel your main rootedness in this dimension which is your physical body you're not really in any of these other dimensions per se a hundred percent it's a part of you it's like being in two places at one time do you follow what i'm saying it's to say that that everything of the planet to me is an organism But when we shoot a satellite outside and it's getting data, or it's going through our solar system getting data, it's an extension sending back information. Or it's to say that your hand is reaching out, touching something, but you're really who you are, where you are resides within the brain almost. So this hand is is like a satellite; it's just hardwired more or less. Okay. But it's to say your eyes really are probes, seeing in a distance that you're not physically there, but you 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 have all this data of your awareness. So it's a different kind of sensory, and your ears can hear things in a few hallways over and create a model in your head of what's over there, what you can put a, a face or an object onto whatever you're, you're hearing. So it's to say that there are other parts of your capability you're not aware of yet. So when people often say that they're doing astral projection, leaving their body, they're not really leaving their body per se in the context that you've left this this lob of flesh on your bed that you call yourself physically is to say that you've created this other part of your capability to move outside of your main source, okay? So when we go into these other dimensions, in some cases, I think a lot of beings cannot necessarily detect you or sense you. And in some rare cases, what they would become are a sensitive, maybe that kind of being would pick up on you. Like the same thing here, a sensitive saying, oh, I I sense or I can feel things. So there's, there's many, many avenues to, to reflect on. Do you see what I'm saying? And I don't think anyone's statement could be considered 100% this way. There's There's a lot of variables and possibilities, and that's what I'm really trying to say, is that it would take some serious reflection to write them down and to categorize everything. And I don't think anybody in any one dimension could really fully capture the complexities of some other dimension, you know what I'm saying, without being there and living in the moment there. So, it's, it's really you're, you can travel there, but to say that you can go to Greece or you can go to Italy and you can spend a month there. Does that mean in that month that you've really captured the essence of life and culture there the way that a native would? Do you see what I'm saying? So, again, it's, we have to be very careful. And as me as a teacher, people just assume that I must have everything exact. And then if I go back or I change something because I think about it, they assume, well, oh, there's an imperfection here. It's 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 really just so much that you, you, it's it's translation. What is lost in conveying my thoughts of that place or what I know of it and putting it into English or human terms or in a sense that you can experience it. And what are you experiencing on your own side after I've given it to you? What are you really thinking? Are you really getting what I'm getting or what I'm trying to project? So, so does that answer your question at all?
5: Okay. Is it possible to go into any the aspects of how we move into the projection kind of side. Yeah, you know, that's mm-hmm.
2: been a really classic. Like, what do you mean? How we move into the astral projection? Like, how you achieve astral projection?
5: Yeah, like, like what oh. techniques are helpful? In mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Well, I would rather commit a whole class to that. I mean, I'd rather just cover little bits and pieces because. We'd never be able to finish the rest of these classes, and we don't want to really be up too late with this conversation, being that we all have commitments tomorrow morning. Um, what I would say is, is there are certainly techniques. Um, there's a good number of techniques. One of the main ones for astral projection is what is called lucid dreaming. And lucid dreaming is when you kind of are half asleep, half awake, and you focus on this technique, there's various ones where you're expanding your body, going small, going big. And what happens is, is you you kind of s- supposedly go into a dream state of mind, but the idea is that you realize you're dreaming. And once you've done that, it is believed that you're able to to control where you're going. And presumably, you're not having an imagination now. You're actually moving in some other place or some other world, okay? Um, there's... Many, many techniques. It, that would not necessarily be my choice of technique. That's pretty much the one you will find in most books that, that say they're going to teach you ask projection. Anything else? Okay.
4: Okay. Uh, you were giving uh, an old class, and you started talking about the time you were in New York, and you were uh, the victim of a psychic attack. Yeah. Um, my question was, you... You keep the analogy of, uh, of the box, and thinking in reverse was the phrase you used, quote, thinking in reverse. And I and I thought about that for a long time, and I thought that was a, a neat phrase that you used, but you never really got around to explaining it. Uh-huh. Um, it was a term you used to project energy.
5: Uh-huh,
2: uh-huh. Well again here we here we go into if I explain that there's a good chance that <laughs> you guys will will be able to to do things that I'm not exactly sure that you would be ready to do. Um, you know I'll I'll throw a limited amount of information on it and you know again it there's a lot more to it to really to get it down okay but to to, to think in reverse remember that to think in reverse, first of all, you have to to take the assumption of just reversing thought. So, just the conversation of what you think that that statement means literally may mean something completely different than you assume already. Because just to think in reverse, you already are thinking in a process that seems logical to you. That that's not reverse. It's truly it's truly thinking in the normal process of taking that concept on. You following me? Okay. So it gets into a little bit of a brain twister here. So let me try to find some other examples, and, and this gets very difficult. Uh, a very simple way of, of, of putting it in some cases is that you may say to yourself, I want to move that object with my mind. And you sit there, and you're going to think the most logical terms, and that is move. And then you're going to say, well, I'm going to believe it's going to move, and if I really truly believe it'll move, maybe it'll move. And you do that for a while, and it doesn't work. And then you say to yourself, okay, well, I'm going to, to think that it already has, and it's going to do it again. And so you, you go through all these logical processes that don't seem to really achieve anything. What most people don't realize, and this is it's going to be a really amazing thought, okay, is that when you're really working on making that move, you'll find that something particular will happen in your environment that's... Not necessarily fully natural. For instance, you'll be trying to make that move, and a, and a cupboard will swing open, or the cat will run through, all fluffed up because something happened to it, or your you know a book will fall, or, or or something will happen that seems to be obscure, but you may not give it a hundred percent thought. Now, let me give you a little key.
5: <laughs>
2: if you thought about making that move, and a cupboard swung open, I would say to you, maybe you should think about the cupboard swinging open, and you might find that other object that you wanted to move all of a sudden would have moved. Does that make any sense? What I mean by reverse thinking is sometimes our brain puts things in a structural method. It's how we think. It's how the brain is wired. And you have to remember, this is, for the sake of, of the, the new movie and all this other stuff, With the Matrix, everything has its place and its function and its way that it's going to affect you in this reality. You're not going to change that program. You're not strong enough necessarily to do it yet. Hence the word yet. Okay? But there are ways to create, if you will, glitches that if you can learn the new program, and as a programmer, a programmer should understand what I'm saying, it's a different language. And as much as you think, then, if you can understand, if you can figure out all the little glitches and just do the glitches to achieve what you really want to achieve, then enhance, if you say, move, it will move. Because in your mind now, you're really doing the right combination, not the expected combination. Does, does that make sense in a bizarre way? So when I say to people, when they kind of go into altered states of consciousness... You know I don't, I don't say sit there and just relax and clear your mind. I say listen to that 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 bell of the of the gate going down that you hear in the distance from the train tracks or listen to your feet scraping the ground or or listen to the, the cat barking while you're walking by the neon signs which have nothing to do with one another in a way. You understand, like a barking dog to you seems like a yard and whatever. It's like a rural setting, but here you are at a mini mall, and you're looking at all the neon lights and everything. It seems like an obscure fact, but the part of you is that some part of you ignores it. What I'm saying is pay more attention to that, but let your other sensory give you the impact of the the environment you're in. There's a conflict, and when that conflict happens, there's something in between... That happens to you, where you where you go to this other place. The question is, is: Don't think about it, experience it, and then see from that perspective. And as long as you can stay there and see from that place, it's like carries you in a, in a different state of consciousness. So, what you're referring to when I was psychically attacked is, I knew that if that if I was like, oh, I want something horrible to happen to this person because this person's doing something horrible to me. Nothing would have happened. So, thinking in a manner that I understood that other programming, I then was able to defend myself. And we'll, we'll put it that way in a very powerful way. And just that was the end of it. Um, so, this is what I mean by, by kind of thinking in reverse. It's, it's, you have to, if you're going to affect reality, you can't necessarily try to rewrite the rules. The rules are, are too well written. The idea is you gotta look for loopholes or create your own language or create a new language. And it's not really creating a new language, because it's all there, it's all there. I mean, all the great mystics understood this. This is how every miracle you've ever heard of, ever done, was done. It's just the average person can't can't figure that out. They're they're in their groove mentally, is the only way I can explain it. So to, to think outside the box, literally. I mean, takes on a new concept now.
4: Is it a matter of intelligence or a build of energy?
2: Well, most people would would say it's a matter of intelligence, and I would say to them, I don't believe that at all. Um, you know, I don't think I was as intelligent as I was a, as a child as I am now. And I and I would say to you that you know, if you handed me a guitar, I I wouldn't you know be able to get anything out of it. So if I gave it to somebody else does that mean they're more intelligent than me because they could master it? No, I don't think it has anything to do with intelligence. I, I think that, that either you get it or you don't. But if, if you give yourself enough time, you, you, I think you can do anything. Sitting here listening to this conversation is going to have an effect on you. It's going to, to contribute to that. It's like sitting down and watching the, the chords being played on the guitar. Eventually, you're going to get something out of it. Do you follow what I'm saying? So it, it takes on its own course with you. It, it's just a matter of of putting yourself in a situation, like listening to this, that means that, I guess what I'm looking for, it means that you have to, to subjugate yourself to an environment and then something will be given an effect. If you stand in the rain, what's going to happen? You're going to get wet. If you stay out in the sun, what's going to happen? You're going to get a sunburn. If you listen to my classes and you just keep listening, inevitably you're going to be affected whether you realize you're going to be or not. And you're going to go off and and, and stuff's going to happen sooner or later. You're going to start experiencing things sooner or later. It's like you don't feel the sun maybe that whole day you're at the beach, but when you go home, you're going to feel the results of that. Well, it's, it's very similar. It's to say that I've never known anybody not to be affected. I mean, anybody who's, who's even sitting here who's, who's had classes by me has to say that even at that moment you realize something is happening to you, you just don't have the words for it. What I would say to you is that reverse technology is happening to you. You just don't have a name for it. You don't have a, an explanation of what it, what it is, but you certainly feel something going on. You know something's going on. Your inner senses are saying, hey, something's happening here. And eventually that is what leads to a higher state of consciousness. You eventually have this breakthrough, which I have heard many people call enlightenment. And I don't necessarily believe it's enlightenment. but A lot of people are out teaching and and professing. That's what they've done. I I would say it's a profound level of knowledge because anybody who doesn't know any better is going to go, this must be enlightenment. All I'm saying is if that's enlightenment, I get news for you. It gets a lot better. Does that answer the question?
4: That's for me, yes.
2: Good. So, uh, as I said before, my my goal is, you know, I hate to say it, but it's like, keep it simple, stupid. I think that most of the spiritual teachings out there in books and ancient texts and transcribes and translations and and all of these new modern gurus, I, I think that they're probably, for the most part, putting some good stuff out there. There's no doubt about that. But I, I think the people that they're trying to reach in some cases they're missing and they're really just over complicating it and over dunking it and overdoing it and i think that you can take something very complex and just make it really simple and if you get it you get it, it you, you don't have to understand the whole novel you just got to get it it's that simple And that's you know the premise of what i teach at least Everything that I teach is based upon how can I make this simpler so that someone can can just get it and understand it. Now, what I just explained to you may not be something new. It may not be, be something profound to, to other spiritual teachers, but I can guarantee you if they try to explain to you what I just explained to you, your head's going to be spinning, and they're going to have umpteenth various Sanskrit terminology maybe for it, and You're going to have to transcribe a half dozen things in order to to begin reflecting on it. And then they're going to want you to take another eight months chewing on it and then get back to me on it. And you're still going to be scratching your head, not knowing for sure if you got it or you didn't get it. All I'm saying is, is, this is how I throw it out. In the end, you got it. And you got it in 10 minutes or 20 minutes. That's the best part. And that's what I try to teach everything that I teach. I try to keep it simple. And, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to have enlightenment. Enlightenment is a path of the heart. It's not just a path of the brain. That's what you have to know.
4: Okay? I want to explain this out of respect for you. Um, mm-hmm. The reason I wanted to uh, ask you this is uh, there was a lot of similarities in, in the, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. the things that you taught us and these are in the book. Mm-hmm. And I understand that a lot of those concepts mm-hmm. you already knew of. Uh-huh. Um, the similarities that I saw, and I was really surprised by this, and I see this in uh-huh. in a lot of books that you've never read, uh-huh. um, are how the astronauts said when they when they were
5: uh-huh.
4: in space and uh-huh. they saw the planet, uh-huh. they realized that the planet wasn't ordered. Correct. Um, one of the other similarities was, uh, Gurjit also used the Do Re uh-huh. kind of levels
2: for uh-huh. people when. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And before Gurdjieff used it, this you could say the Sufis used it, and a few hundred years before that, if you go into Arabic culture, and I don't want to give away too much of that, you'll find out where he learned it all. A lot of the knowledge is not necessarily new. Okay? A lot of the knowledge is, is reinvented and put into terminology for our generation. There's an old saying, uh, is that... Old teachings can be powerful, but they're only as good as they're brought into the modern consciousness. If you were to use an old technology of of understanding, today, it, it does not fit. Do you follow what I'm saying? We're not going to build houses out of mud and hay, necessarily. It's not to say it doesn't work. If you went back a few thousand years ago... It would have been the greatest thing compared to a cave having to go look for one so as far as using terminology it's to say that i'm always looking for a better way to say what i know already and i think every spiritual teacher is how do i take what i know and simplify it if someone is going to simplify it in a great way of course i would want to borrow it of course i'm going to use it if I were to quote every time that I've gotten something and where I've gotten it from, we would never have time to have a conversation. Let alone, I, in all honesty, I probably don't even remember half of where I've, I've picked up certain things. What I can say to you is this. Almost 90% of everything that I've ever taught, mostly all of it's long before I've discovered anything. When I've discovered certain books that you that I've turned you guys on to, not hidden from you, literally pushed on you, Is because when I read it, I remember when I I, I found some some books on on, uh, Hinduism, on uh, Raja Yoga and Nani Yoga. And that was uh, back in, oh, probably 94 or something. Um, I was in shock. I was reading this stuff and I was like, this is the most brilliant man in the world. Everything he's saying, I agree with. Now, I was a little upset and I was like, well, you know, this guy was around a lot longer than me. So I was like, well... Gee, at first I says, well, maybe I, I don't know as much as I know. You know, maybe maybe it's not new for me. You know, uh, maybe I'm not the guy out there bringing it all on. And then I realized, but this guy's brilliant. And if I'm already saying all this and someone's simply just confirming it, even if it's a day old, a hundred years old, or in that particular case, thousands of years old, what does that say for somebody like me? It means that there is a universal truth. There is a a truth. And my job isn't necessarily to reinvent the wheel. It's like the commercial I see all the time on TV. My job is to improve it. And my job is to take what's in there and encourage you and inspire you and give my perspective on it and to say, read this, now you're going to understand it in some ways because I've helped you, I've inspired you. I think had I found those books earlier on, I think I would have pushed them aside because I wasn't ready for them. Do you understand what I mean by that? that? I think there's a time when you're ready for something, and there's a time when you're not ready for something. And there's things that I look at as I grew older and being as, as vastly knowledgeable as I was and looking back and saying, you know, what a dumbass I was. This stuff is phenomenal. This stuff is great. And really could see what was in there, but I wouldn't have given it the time of day before because I just wasn't ready for it. It wasn't that I couldn't understand it. It's just that the universe has its way of directing where you need to be when you need to be there. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying about? that? So if I read in, in, in this particular book that particular phrase, um, it, it, first of all, that phrase isn't necessarily just in that book. I'll tell you right now, that phrase is in many books about them seeing the planet and them all agreeing that it has one thing in common. Um, there's just so many things one can talk about and there's how many thousands of hours of me talking, well, you're going to find a lot of connections. It's inevitable. It's a numbers game. But I wouldn't be so bold or so arrogant to say here that, that there isn't stuff that that I would you know put out there. It's like when you say Gurdjieff used tones. Well, I was bringing up tones and frequencies long before I knew who Gurdjieff was. I mean, we got stuff when I was 15 years old talking about this, okay? But... Uh, when I discovered Gurdjieff talking about it, well, then I knew he was a genius. <laughs> so, I mean, that's why I'm like, hey, you guys got to read this guy. You know, if you if you, you aren't listening to me, listen to what he says, and I'll help you sort it all out. So, I'm not sitting here saying that I'm the one and only source. What I'm saying is is that you know I'm alive, I'm here, I'm breathing. I'll let you know what's on my mind, or I'll, I'll you know you don't you don't have to worry about wondering what he really meant by it, because he's not here, you know. I'm here, I'll do the best that I can. Um, I think Urjith was brilliant, and I think he had a lot to offer. There's a few things I find questionable about his character. But that doesn't remove the fact of his genius. And I think anybody's in a human body has got to have issues, <laughs> you know. We, we, I mean, everybody has to. I don't, you know. I, I think Christ had his issues and in, in moments, whether he got mad at the temple or whatever, and he acted the way it is. Well, most spiritual people say, "Well, whew, he's got a temper." If they walked in on on that, you know, without seeing it from the beginning to end, I don't know what to say. But all I'm saying is, is it is what it is. And, you know, you can compare apples to oranges, whatever. I'm not saying that everything that I teach is necessarily for my genius. What I would say, in all honesty, is I would say almost everything that I've ever taught literally has come from my own mind, my, my own, in, in you know, my own genius. I would also go as so far to say that I think in many cases, much like I teach, you know, how people have, religious points of views even though they're not religious is to say that we grow up influenced in the background by things we come across that we may not remember or heard or something was in the background playing on the TV or the radio or maybe even reading something and you simply just don't remember okay now I'm not saying that that couldn't have happened and inspired some of my own reflections or or how I came on ideas and stuff Um, but for the most part I would say it's, it's largely inner memory and that inner memory surfaces, and the Gaia mind is really the, the source of a lot of that when you reach a certain stage of consciousness. Now, most of the stuff that most spiritual masters have reflected upon now is part of the Gaia mind. So it only makes logic to come up with similar terminologies when, when you're trying to to translate or to give this knowledge to a new generation. Does that make sense? Is that Does that help answer it? So... And, and keep in mind, I don't necessarily agree with everything that's in that book, and I don't necessarily agree with everything necessarily of Gurdjieff and, and uh, Spensky and all that group. Uh, and, and if you came to me and you asked me specific questions or you were asked, certainly I would give my my debate on that and my, my rebuttal on that. Um, and then, of course, I see a lot of genius there also. So,
4: Yeah, I really found this book to be a, a great mind
2: well, and, and that's why I recommend it. I, I don't, you know, I, I certainly don't say just read my stuff or listen to my tapes. Um, I, I want people to, you know, if I think something's good, people are always asking me, what what inspired you, or what do you think is good? And, you know, I'm, of course, humble enough to say, you know, here, this is this is what I think is good stuff.
4: Okay, the, the next two questions um, have to do with God. You once said, the statement, God is not aware of itself,
5: uh-huh.
4: at one point, uh-huh. and I, I think I stopped the tape at that point to think about what you said, because it wasn't very clear to me, uh-huh. and I asked myself, does this statement mean, God is not aware of the individual components of itself, or God is not self-aware?
2: Okay. Well, it's it's a very difficult thing to to really explain because it's it's not like I believe God's going to come down here and clarify all this for us. So what I what I would say is this: I you really are asking yourself, is God intelligent? In one way, okay, and I believe God is intelligent, but in the same token, I do not believe. That we can gauge that intelligence at this point, or at least humans cannot, in their physical form, comprehend how God thinks. I think it's just so beyond, it's the, the idea of really meditating and finding clarity in your life is one thing. It's another then when you say you, you move to higher dimensions of consciousness. Hence the difference of our earlier conversation of higher dimensions, or the, hence the word dimensions, versus higher dimensions of consciousness. Consciousness, understanding, is literally a whole other frequency that goes beyond frequencies of dimension that we relate to in the context of structure or visual things or things that we relate or experience. What you have to remember is, is that there's a whole other spectrum of looking in this reality, and that is to say that everything we see is an experience, Everything we touch, we feel, we see has its, uh, its own importance, its own feel, its own contents, its own meaning. In a sense, what you're looking at around you is code, computer code. It's data. It's just how you want to perceive it. Again, think outside that box. Think in the way I tried to teach you earlier, Okay. So when you move into other dimensions, it's to say this is where you can say the dimensions of consciousness if you perceive it that way. As a spiritual being, I see everything as a state of consciousness. I may relate to other beings, but that's like changing my perspective. It's like like a prism. I'm bending it so that I see it in this way, and I bend it and I see it this way. Nothing simply just means what it is just in one way. Everything is very complex, but very simple if you simply let it flow. And it's hard to let it flow... When you are thinking with an organic brain that's chemically based largely to adapt and have structural thinking the way you perceive reality. The idea is that you begin to think with a consciousness of pure electricity or thought, that you begin to meditate and you use the electrical part of your consciousness to use pure thought. When you achieve that, this is why people say, I get it, I understand it, it's amazing, everything is light, but everything is data, everything is knowledge, God is everything. It, it you can you can comprehend it it's like being a kid and and i remember having trouble reading and then really just one day getting it it's like an epiphany and all of a sudden it just seems so simple it, it was like another part of me finally kicked in or another part of my brain finally connected the right parts together and you just got it well let me step back and say to you that it's to say that one god is so vast that it's it's almost inconceivable in your present level to conceive that so it's hard to for you to rationalize what i mean by statements that i put out there okay on the second token imagine a child trying to perceive what you perceive you know you you have to always use comparisons to gauge something in this dimension that's the best way for us in many ways to understand something or at least to have a compassion of, okay, I, I guess there's some things that I have to, to wait for or try to, to earnestly prepare myself to, to conceive. So in simpler terms, and, remind, and I remind you, these are very simple terms, which means in simple terms there's always room to, to bend it and say, well, that doesn't make sense or this, this can't be correct. It, it's to say I could simplify it to give you the basic sense of what I'm trying to say, Okay. In your body, you have billions of living organisms, all independently thinking, functioning. It's, it's like a whole universe. Your body is a vast universe that most of it will never, ever begin to travel or to, to get to certain corners within an inch of your, your body in its lifetime. But yet, out of all the billions of living organisms in your body, how many are you particularly consciously aware of specifically? How many? None but do you not have an absolute love for your body for your inner universe when you really think about it do you not try to protect you and even though you is not really you it's really billions of living organisms that your electricity of your energy your spirit symbiotically relates to and shares this this space and this dimension with so it's to say is is are you intelligent enough to be conscious of everything inside of you. Do you do you follow what I'm saying?
4: So it would be it would be my first question. Uh, God is not aware of all the individual components of itself.
2: Yes, and that would be more or less true. But it's not to say that there's not an awareness of every single individual, because on some other level, in the recesses of your mind. You most certainly are aware of every single thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Everything's functioning in unison in your body. Therefore, they are in tune with you as much as you are in tune with it. If you weren't, if if the brain, in some sense, stopped functioning, okay, then then your heart would lose its rhythm. It's your, your kidney would stop understanding how to secrete at a certain time or whatever. Okay, it would it would be a destructive process that would eventually fail. Do you follow what I'm saying? But your forward consciousness, okay, really isn't aware of it. But if you were a spiritual teacher, if you were a yogi hathra, or a yogi but basically, to put it in simple terms, I'm sorry, uh, is to say that, that you are a, a yogi or a master, is what that means, or a teacher of the body, you might have enough consciousness after your training to slow your heart down, to slow your breathing down, to, to take what would be a certain limited amount of oxygen and, and extend it for a great amount of time. Now, would that mean that you are not on a higher level communicating with, with your inner universe and that you're aware of stuff that you consider you on a more intimate level? Yes. I think everybody has that potential. It's just it's just whether you can travel in averse. Well, I believe that as individuals, we can travel out of earth. We can find God, but we have to travel through our consciousness, which changes into energy, which changes into frequencies, and we move through a different kind of movement, and we can approach God.
4: And while you're describing this, we should keep in mind that uh, we should try to compare the way that we think with our body parts with the way that God thinks with us.
2: Exactly. And, yeah. and again, this is where it gets very dangerous, because when I really try to simplify things, we're really skipping over... Really a lot of details, okay, and, and you must always remember that. And in the process of making something simple, you know, an intellectual person would go, well, that doesn't make necessarily, it makes sense, but boy, you know, there's a lot of other questions there. And we can do that some other time. But to keep it simple is to say that your body is very different than the universe, but in some ways there's a lot of similarities. So for you to bridge the concept to say a child could not perceive what you could understand is to say that also by you not being able to relate to every single thing of your your inner universe, of your physical body, it's not to say that the universe is identical to that either, but it's to give you a concept to maybe appreciate something that's very difficult to understand. Do
5: you think it's important, then? Yeah to also why you're the extrovert, to also the introvert.
2: Well, yeah, and that's very traditional. I mean, there's there's teachings, without getting too deeply into that, that teach you that by removing yourself from everything, to go and back to the inner core of what you are, that everything came from the universe. So even this planet, your flesh, the molecules, all still came from one source. Well, they believe by traveling backwards, that by getting to the source of where you were created, gets you back to the creator. Do you see what I'm saying? now i don't necessarily agree with that necessarily okay i don't think that's the best route to achieve your goal unless you got you know 40 years to to blow um my point is is that when when you can simply understand what we are talking about you don't have to understand the complexities but right what i said earlier is happening right at this moment just by sitting in this conversation already all of you guys can feel that gentle hum inside of you. You're just not aware of it. Now I'm pointing it out. You think about it. There's a certain quietness right now as we're having this conversation. Like there's revelations going on at some higher level of yourself that you're not even fully understanding. So like being in the sunlight, you know, you're going to get a sunburn per se, or if you stand in the rain, you're going to get wet. By us talking about this, you don't need to worry whether you have to reflect going forward or backward. Just because you you get it in the most simplest level is all that matters right now. Because the rest is just going to happen. When when you stand out in the rain, you're going to get wet. What you really need is is already happening to you. Just let it unfold like a flower in the sun. It'll happen. You just have to keep entertaining these conversations. Do you follow what I'm saying? And and later on when we do classes, I'll show you how to, to set it off. I'll show you how to get to where you need the sparks that you need. But necessarily thinking about whether you should be reflecting on what you are and where you're going is not for me to say you need to or you don't. It doesn't matter. Just because you understand it means that you will now. Whether you are doing it on your forward thought or not, in your recesses of your mind, you are a constant motion do you understand it's it's like you're already thinking about it because you understand it is the best way i can explain it maybe i'll find a better way later does that make sense sometimes like over complimenting yourself or thinking too much it's doing exactly what i'm saying about trying to make something move and this is why i guess i'm trying to steer away from it i'm trying to make you understand cuz i'm i'm sure people are scratching their head as why didn't he say you should or shouldn't or whatever what I'm saying is if, if I suggest to you you should or you shouldn't, I'm not achieving what I want you to do. Do you follow what I'm saying? I'm actually, in my opinion, misguiding you. Does that make sense? And that's why I'm steering away from it because there's certain parts of my conscious that know if I tell you that, you're going to be stuck in what I call a place. And I feel that this is what happens to most people when they try to do their spiritual work on themselves. Or when they read a lot of spiritual books, or when they get involved with certain teachers, they hit this wall where they don't—they're not finding anything. They're not—they're not, they're not It's just like you know, some of you guys know of a, a particular person um, where he meditates for eight years, ten years, and he's into all these different formulas of meditation. He's studied and you know, basically lectured on um, the uh, Bhagavad Gita. Um, he's, he, he's does Kriya yoga. I mean, this guy meditates four or five hours a day for years. And, and he's talking to me and, and he's intrigued by what I have to say. And he says, well, I've never experienced anything in my meditations. He says, I'm very calm. I'm very relaxed. And he says, it certainly has given me a, a, a level of peace in my life. But he says, I yearn for something more. I yearn to, to, I feel as if that I deserve to experience god or experience some experience that shows me that i'm, I'm achieving something other than just peace I, I want i have other questions and he says I'm, I'm not there he says what can you do for me that i haven't found already after all these years and all this study and all this work that i've done spiritually and so i said well what are you working on and he says well kriya yoga blah, blah 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 i said well let's let's start there and I I had him explain to me what he was getting out of it, what he thought it was, and share that with me. Because, you know, one person always hears something differently than the next. And whether you read it, you you will always interpret it a little bit different than another person may. This is perception. This is how the mind works. When he was finished, I said, well, this is what I want you to do. And without giving too much information, I know people are like, ah, I can't believe he's doing that. I, I suggested a few things for him to change. And he said he said that was very interesting, and he had never thought about that. And I said, pay attention to this, and then you're going to do this and do that. And when you do that, this is what's going to happen. And he was like, wow, all right, I'll try that. So the very next day, we got a phone call, and my close friend, who is an associate of mine, student of mine for a long time, uh, who also knows this person, um Started talking to him, and this guy was ecstatic. He, he couldn't wait to call us, and he called first thing in the morning, you know, in fear of waking us. Otherwise, he was going to call us, you know, that night. And he says, even if he wanted to, he didn't know how to formulate what he had to say into words, and he would have needed the time anyway, or he says he would have sounded like a crazy maniac. And he said that not only was he experiencing um, various things that he's only read about or heard about, but they were profound in that, and that they've changed his 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 perspective in his life in profound levels. And he was reinvigorated with a spiritual quest again, a, a desire for spirituality on a whole new level. That he just he felt that he was undeserving of these things because he felt that it wasn't his time. And I explained to him that it's not about time, just it's just it's just about getting it. And I says you're you're not getting it. You're either over intellectualizing the concepts, or you just, you're just just not, you're just missing something, and keep it simple. And he just couldn't believe what I recommended to him and what he did would have had such a profound effect. So, now I've lost my whole train of thought what the whole question was that I, I started on all this. <laughs> but, so, you know, there you go, and what was the question?
4: <laughs> yeah, we were talking about God um, being aware of, it, of itself, and
2: well, I don't know how that has to do with anything that I just said.
4: Yeah. I was so intrigued by the story. <laughs>
2: but there there was a reason why I asked that. Anyway, for whatever reason, the point is... Uh,
4: is uh, your point of view... Uh, teach people your point of view of, of, um, of how they learn things, how they get stuck.
2: Right. So how you learn is very important in what you learn. And it's, it's, that's why it's so important to have somebody kind of teach you directly or to have a, a good source of, of what I call current knowledge. Old knowledge is good, but that's what most people are trying to understand in this day and age, is the old knowledge. And you're with a, a modern consciousness. You're you're a product of the 20th century, 21st century. And you don't realize that. So when you read the, the older stuff, what they mean by terminology is very different than, than what we would per se. It's to say that... In that day and age, they say to you, and I say this often, you know, a, a master would say to you, "Life is an illusion." And in in response, people scratch their head and they go, "Life is a you know illusion." I would say to you, "Well, well, life is the matrix," and you go, "Oh, I get it." Well, that's like how I teach everything. You know, it's it's for your generation, and and that's how you're going to achieve what it is you're trying to achieve in this day and age. And when you have these older sources of knowledge, not only do you have to try to uncode what it is they're trying to say from that time period, now you got to figure out what to do with it, as if somebody you know was teaching it and you got it. So it's it's twice as hard. So I think somewhere is is, is God intelligent himself? We covered that, and I don't remember how we we spun off into this. And this sometimes happens. Sometimes I really think that knowledge when it's shared, can be so profound that it really goes beyond it. It eludes this dimension. And Gurdjieff often would, would speak of this. And it, it's just that this this kind of knowledge, it's almost it's meant to be forgotten because it's just not meant to be really known. And like this thing happens, we all scratch our heads. And we're like, oh, what just happened? Why did we forget this? It's just not supposed to be ready. It's, it's too potent. And, uh, you know, so there you go. But I think we caught a good piece of it.
4: Yeah, I think you answered the question, and then just went beyond that. My well, last question is, uh, it talks about an experience that you had. Mm-hmm. You, you traveled beyond, beyond God's body
2: yep. and looked back. Mm-hmm. And uh, my question
4: was, how did it make you feel to see the forest as a whole, and as a globular shape, as you describe it, when you uh, traveled beyond, uh-huh. and can you tell me about this experience?
2: Well, uh, sure. The, the first thing is, is you're in awe, because, yeah, 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 I mean, you're you know you you got to think of it. First of all, it's you have to take it in one context. That was done, kind of as a projection in this dimension, and. I believe that God resides in in vast multiple multiple dimensions. So it's not to say that what you see here is all of God. Do you follow me? As long as you understand that, okay? Now, on those terms, in this dimension, moving out to the rims of, of the expanding universe and heading out to infinitive space, okay, which is pure black necessarily for the sake of it, and then looking back, is like discovering or never knowing well, I can't really say it. it it's profound and it moved me. It moved me in my spirit, in my heart, in my in my love for for what I was a part of. It is to say that when you look at it you see a reflection of yourself, or you know this is what I am a part of. And I think every human being, every sentient being, every living being, whatever you want to call it, has that, that need because of, of the dimension we're in and because of the physicalness that we are separate beings in many ways, that we're always looking to bond with someone else, or we're always looking to, to have somebody to touch or to feel out in our exterior. That we never realize that we're in the interior of something very devoted to us. And for us in our way of thinking how our brain is designed in this dimension, we almost need to extract ourselves to to see what it is we are a part of that we can, we can feel that we understand we get it. Do you follow me? And so when I, when I experienced that, as a as a human being in a sense, and also for the parts of me that were spiritual, because I had never perceived it even as an energy being per se, in this way it was very profoundly beautiful. But it was to say that that other part of me finally understood what it was to be to be part of something or to be to be within the womb of life, and nothing could be more satisfying, or more beautiful, or more. You know, I teach you guys that when you when you see a sunset set, it is a food. It moves something in you. You're like, ah. And when you see a mountain or birds flow through a tree, there's a certain moment that you capture that's a food. It's like a frequency inside of you that feeds some other parts of your being. Or a beautiful piece of artwork. It's it's like eating food and you're gratified. Well, this is like an energy food. And, and Gurdjieff speaks of this and, and other teachers speak of this. When I seen the entire universe and I I knew it was God, I never, I knew I never had to eat again. Do you understand? This is the only way I can explain it. I knew that my spirit was so fulfilled, so deeply, it was that, that encompassing, that, that overwhelming, that gratifying. And it, it changes you profoundly, profoundly. Forever. Now we were discussing you with your meditations, and you were recently discussing that you had hit a certain level in your meditation, and and we were discussing that. And you said you went to a place you have never been before, and I explained to you, oh well, that's the place that I went to when I had this one experience, and blah blah blah. You, if you keep hanging out there, you're you're going to have this the silver light thing, or something will happen, and it's going to be very profound, and it's a good thing you finally got there. And in a short period of time, I mean, this has been, you know, you've been working at this for a little while, but that's a profound step. Most people never get there, by the way, sometimes years. And so you have to realize you've done this in a short period of time, months, okay? So, and you, you really haven't applied yourself a lot as much as you did before or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So that, this is really something amazing. If, if you are in spiritual community, a lot of people would be taken aback that you did that so quickly. So just so you can appreciate that. And, and that using what, what I teach for a system did that for you. And you gotta understand, it's more than just the meditation. It's being in this, this knowledge that helps you do it. Do you understand? Again, it's, it's standing in the rain. It's, it's sitting, listening to this stuff. You meditate. You don't have to think about anything. You, You, that part of you now is already going to bring you there because some part of you gets it. So, you will have profound experiences in your meditations. When you get to that point, when your energy hits the frequency, it's your moment. You'll, it'll come to you because you're going to it. Because you're ready. You're ready because you, you understand it. Your frequency as, as you were, you've earned it. And I think it's important to say that most people spiritual think that, that you have to be acknowledged by something outside of you. And they're waiting like this guy waited all that time. And it's, And my philosophy, no, you earn it. You earn it, and you deserve to have that experience. You earned it, and God gave you a brain so you could find him, not so that you could just simply contemplate what he is, okay? And therefore, everything that I teach is based upon the concept that if you if you spiritually work for yourself and you do for yourself, you should have profound experiences. And the only way you're going to have those experiences is, is truly based on goodness, it's truly based on love, it's truly based on compassion, because that's a frequency in your heart, and that's what your work is doing. It's releasing a lot of this lower crap, it's 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 releasing you a lot from certain things, and it's showing you other methods of helping you to achieve that. So there's no fooling it. There's no, like, oh, well, I, I can be a, a jerk or really negative or hateful and just keep practicing this technique, I'll get there. No. it's. I often say to, to students, your frequency is based upon your consciousness. Right, wrong, and different. There is there's a universal understanding for right and wrong. And you have to correct yourself to such a level that you can't fool the universe. You can't fake it. It's a frequency. It's to say, there's only so much light in this room, you can turn it up, you can turn it down, but there's a certain quantity. You could say, well, my eyes only see so much. If my cones of my eyes would be bigger, I could see more light. Well, I would say to you, there's only so much photons in the room then. Okay? You can't fake it to get to God. So... As you work on yourself, you earn your frequency by cleansing yourself and purging yourself and reflecting and understanding beauty. When you understand beauty really in your heart, you can't fake it and go to God, "Oh, I get it, isn't that pretty? You can't. It, it's a frequency. it's not a word, it's not a picture, it's not a thing. it's it's a vibration. So you really have to really get it or you're not you're not going to move to that other frequency. So when you finally get that frequency, it's, it's as if the whole room brightens. It just happens. It's, it's like you can just move into that space and share with it. And it shares with you. So you earn it. You earn it. And if you're going to sit around practicing a formula or a technique, and it ain't doing nothing for you after a few months, and that's given it a long time in my opinion, then something's wrong. Something's profoundly wrong. And you need to to re-look and evaluate your situation. And I think that a lot of people blame themselves. I think a lot of people think, I'm not meditating enough. I'm not reflecting enough. I'm hanging on to anger too much. I'm I'm this, I'm that. And I'll tell you what, if you are really working at it, the anger will wash from you. You don't have to remove it. It's going to fall off you. It's just going to happen. If you just simply listen to what I'm teaching you, and you just listen, just sit in the rain. It doesn't matter. The negativity is going to come off of you. The, the the misconceptions are going to come off of you. It's just going to happen because you have it ringing around in the back of your mind. It's there. You're, you're, it's going to float around the thoughts, and what you need will come to you. It's like eating fruits and vegetables. You're going to pass out what you really don't necessarily need, and your body's going to really get, take what it needs from what you have but that you're offering to the best of its ability. It's the same thing. You're building your vibrational bodies per se, your consciousness largely on the things that I'm invoking for you for thought. And you may scratch your head and say, well, I'm not doing this or that, or I'm not meditating four hours a day, but how come I, I can feel all these things or start seeing these things, and, and this guy's doing it five hours a day? Because it, it's not just about meditating. It's not just about how smart you are if you get it or if you don't get it. Just apply yourself a little. That's it. Not a lot. And you'll know what you need to do. It'll come to you. It'll come to you, certain things I say will, will hit you in such a way that you know that's where you need to be or what you need to do. You'll, you'll just know it is, because your dimensional body will go, oh, that's it. Ooh, the, the banana over there looks really appealing. Yeah, well, you know, I don't want the pizza for some reason. It's, it's good, but that banana, I know I need whatever in that banana, and it just seems good to me, and it seems healthy to me. And other times, I don't want a banana. I want the pizza. And that looks good to you, and that's what you want. Your energy is going to know when you when I'm talking to you what it is you need from this conversation, and that's what you're going to get. You're going to get that for you, and it's, it's going to do something for you, and that's it. Now, of course, I'm not saying not to meditate. I'm saying meditate, but this is why you're going to have leaps and bounds. This is why you're going to have the breakthroughs, you know, because of how you reflect on things.
5: One's a very simple one. I just think this one day because we, we talk a lot about the uh-huh. the pineal gland and psychic abilities. And the thing I thought about, and this is in my psychology class, I thought about the pineal gland. Um, the, I thought about also the other glands that are in the body that often aren't attributed to, and I thought of specifically the pancreas, where no one knows, like, scientifically, no one knows anything about it. Uh-huh. They don't know why it's there why it just explodes sometimes. Uh-huh. I was wondering if you do anything about it. Uh-huh.
2: Well you're saying the pancreas and I, I think what you what you mean is the appendix okay um, well the, as far as I'm concerned about the appendix uh, I, I think it's something that the human body um, used in a more primitive time and whether we had a different kind of diet or, or something to that effect the foods that we ate, I believe that it had a particular function for that I think as man progressed, we, we didn't have a need for it anymore. We kind of outgrew it. And therefore I think it just kind of doesn't have a function. And I think once in a while, like any other signal, whether it's genetic, whether it's it's allergy related or whatever, it can inflame for the cells or get the wrong communication and even though it's not doing nothing, it's still part of a living thing. It is a living cells, you know, product there. And it's going to, to have that effect. Okay. So it's, as far as that goes. Now, you were asking also about the brain, uh, the pineal gland per se, in the center brain. What is it that you wanted to know? Well,
5: I just wonder if there's any other lines that you're specifically attributed mm-hmm. um, sure to your, your, your teachings that, mm-hmm. that we, mm-hmm. as, a, as a scientific society, mm-hmm. haven't discovered yet or talked mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Stuff. Well, I do not claim to be a person who, mm-hmm. who really has a good grasp on the biological functions of the human body. Um, all I know is that sometimes mine functions well and sometimes it doesn't and I'm happy with it sometimes and sometimes I'm not okay I hope you find the humor in that um, what I would say is is that I do believe that one first of all has to take care of their health okay and it's very simple you are in this dimension and the most powerful part of you being in this dimension is you rooted to this physical organic body and what it's designed to do is for you to experience it's designed for you to take sound and create it into energy so that you as an energy being can experience that from this dimension sight is turned into energy so you can experience as an energy being taste smell touch everything's converted into electricity because you're an energy being okay when the machinery is running improperly when the machinery your sensory equipment which is highly acute is affected in a bad way all of its designed to go to your consciousness and what is your consciousness as I said earlier it it's your intelligence it's your vibration it's your tonal it's it's the decision factor of where you're gonna go consciously beyond this life so if it is out of sync or if it's running poorly it's going to distort the data coming in, or it's going to to upset other areas of that information so much that the rest of the information coming in can't even become processed for you in a way that can be gainful to you as an intelligent being. Do you follow me? So, when I consider the body, it's very just important really health-wise to be in the best health you can for as long as you can. Now, as far as the second question of what I would answer to that is is other organs and stuff, well, let's say this. I would say that naturally I think that B12 or B vitamins are very important, I have found, for me psychically or spiritually or mentally or whatever it is that you want to apply, that that I feel that when I'm in this dimension, you have to keep in mind that I do not necessarily believe that psychic abilities are a higher dimensional consciousness quality. I think psychic abilities are qualities more closer to our physical five senses, okay? And so I see them as a middle level for your access to your spiritual growth. You have your five senses, your normal conscious, which I call organic. And then the second level of the brain, I say, is, is low-radiation impulses, which I associate or say would be your psychic stuff. Not to say that they literally have a connection. Do you see what I'm saying? But for the sake of bridging that, that communication level that you have a way of, of seeing it in your minds. And then third being the finest and the best is purely energy. Well, in this world, you can say telepathy to read one's mind is a psychic ability. As, as a energy being, you're part of the matrix. You're part of something bigger than the matrix. It's, you're part of the universal mind. Telepathy becomes a non-necessity, a non-issue, because you really can really experience anything you need to know. There's no hidden agendas. So there's, it's like a different kind of communicating. So telepathy is something you really need in this dimension, and that's why I associate it with a psychic ability, but more in your five-sense arenas. the same thing goes for most of these other psychic abilities. So I see them in a whole different class. Now, stepping back again to get back to your question, if I was to promote telepathy, if I was to promote using Uh, you know, uh, psychometry or photometry or psychic healing or any of these things that I see as being in my, my middle range area. Diet is critical in some cases that can, can benefit you. Not only meditating, drawing energy in is going to help you, but Physically, energy in your body still needs to bounce off of minerals to carry electricity voltage through your body. And you can heal using a higher kind of energy, but you still have to lower that energy so it communicates if you're healing with cellular beings who understand that particular frequency. So again, taking those B vitamins I know has something to do with that kind of electricity to be more contuitive. Uh, in your body. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's also, I know that lemon juice, real lemon juice, seems to have a, a big effect. Um, I believe that there are certain glands in your neck um, or throat area that, that, that may have an understanding in science, or we're still not exactly sure on exactly why they do what they do or whatever. So I do think that there's some, some importance there. Whether or not they contribute psychically is hard to say. I would say everything in your body contributes to you psychically and spiritually. Because if you're sick or you're ill, it's hard enough getting your mind to be the babbler or to meditate or to focus. Or can you imagine having a flu and having to have this conversation right now? I mean, I've been ill before and I, I mean, I don't even want to watch TV and I'm tossing and turning and, uh, you know, and so the point is, is if you're ill, if you, if you have a disease or you have cancer, imagine how hard it is to develop or to, 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 to harness your concentration so your, your health is very important, but, but every organ in your body is important to say that one's going to have an advantage over the other or are there any little tricks or whatever. Stay healthy. Walk. I think walking's the best, best physical meditation you can do. It clears your mind out. You walk, it's like it's like you're and your mental laundry out. By the time you have a good walk, it's like your, your head's all cleared out. What's that, what's that do? It leaves you with clear thought. Good time now to, to do your meditation or to approach something it'll be a lot easier to achieve or to, to work in, on a different kind of project or thought. Um, if you're saying, is there, is there certain things? I think that if you look at uh, Vedic healing techniques and you look at massage and you look at, at uh, oriental uh, medicine, I mean, there's things in your nerves and your ears that can affect your sensory and your, your awareness there are pressures in your foot for different organs and stuff, and for clarity of thought. So that that's a, a very big topic, and and one certainly we can go into some you know into more detail at another time. Um, it's even to say that in Buddhism they teach underneath your tongue you can absorb prana when you breathe. Um, again, this is a whole category of conversation in itself that that is worthy of a four-hour conversation, and. and you know, it's it's just a, such a broad subject, and, and certainly we'll go into it sometime, and, and turn on people to uh, little tips and tricks that they can do to help uh, amplify. I think is the best word for it, their abilities. Does that does that help answer things for you?
5: The next question I had was um, was uh, based on the whole mind the heat. So mm-hmm. not Tom, if you're willing to give that up nation mm-hmm. but there's they were talking about the other day uh in our stories uh, about experiences they had had specifically with your teachings mm-hmm. and they said there was they were talking about their jedi mind tricks and how mm-hmm. they were to use them mm-hmm. um and there's a specific key that you know of mm-hmm. um and i'm just curious mm-hmm. if you're, if you're mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well
2: i i think that you could say that in in ancient terminology sometimes they they would say uh they would give you um I think a Mandela, or it's like a a thought. I'm trying to think there's a word I'm missing for it. Um, Anyway, a certain phrase or a certain secret terminology, and you think about it and it has effect, I guess that would be the closest thing to what it is. Let's say that I understand this programming real well, this this other reverse thinking, okay? Well, let's say that that I... Needed you to achieve something, or you wanted to achieve something, or we wanted to have something. A key would be to for me to let you know what one little piece of that would be, and just the fact that it you thought about it already, it, it weeds into your programming. I don't want to use negative terminology, but to say it's like a virus in a computer. But there can be good viruses and there can be bad viruses. It's to say that one could could give you a key or a, a thought, and I can either invoke it through my mind into your mind and you don't even know where it came from and all of a sudden you're just feeling a certain way or something's happening. Or B, I could verbalize it to you and, and just the fact that you heard it means that your brain is already against your will, even if you wanted, processing that that thought that I said to you. And it's going to have an effect. Whether you want it to or not, you're going to react to it.
4: You do that all the time, though, when, you, when you're talking in groups and you want to Low
2: levels, I do it, yes. Each individual. Very good observation. That's how I teach what I call accelerated knowledge. Um, you could say that it's concentrated knowledge. Um, a lot of times I say people say when I speak, it's as if they can hear things, feel things, and it's it's like a different part of them somehow is learning information. And I always say the only way I can describe it is it's like intercoded fiber in the data of words that I'm sending to you. It's like it's got microcoding. You add water, and it blows up to more information. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's when I say to you, if you sit in the rain, you're going to get wet. It's the same thing. It's when I say I'm talking to you, you're going to get what you need. In some way, I'm using a different kind of communication, not just in words, but there's a whole other vibration here. And uh, again, I often worry that if we do these CDs, will we capture that? and i think some parts it's very telepathic that goes on here like i could see how you're all looking at me and, and i say you guys are in that zone i think people listening will get in that zone because it, it's that powerful but i think the people who are here presently feel it even stronger and they're like yeah there's it's, you know you can feel this 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 intense uh energy and it's very calming but it's it's very encompassing it's almost like you you feel as if i have to stop now it's too much information and somebody would say we just had this conversation for an hour or two what are you talking about and you're you're just like you don't understand it's like my mind is just just you know that's because that data is unfolding in there and that is inspiration it's something that actually is feeding you i always remember something my father said to me once we we're, were eating some kind of cereal uh, rallies uh, or whatever it was called um, I don't know oats or something. I don't remember what they were. And he was telling us, yeah, you know, you're you're going to eat these, and it was like this little bowl. But it's going to keep expanding in your stomach. You'll be full most of the day, you know, because it, it's like still swelling up or puffing up this this wheat or whatever it was. And when I think about when I when I teach, I think about that. I'm like you know, my, the people that I'm teaching, they're going to go, and, and you know, all week it's like you know it's it's still brewing. It's like just like this data is just like they understand all these other things, and they're like, huh, you know, and everybody tells me that, you know, and I see that in my students, but that's, that's part of learning from someone, you know, like me per se, it's, it's, that's part of, of what you get, you know.
5: It's like pigeons and rice.
2: Yeah, precisely. Another, that's another good analogy. And I think most teachings do that. I just think that when you find a good source of teaching, it's, it's just how much it keeps puffing up. Do you know what I'm saying? I think you can go to someone, you can get some information, but what you leave with is what you got. And I think that when you leave with somebody really good, you're, you're mulling it over for a long time, not just the day. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like something that's just with you. It's like some part of you. And I always say, and I really don't think anybody really gets this, what I'm teaching you is alive. What I'm saying to you is a living thing. What What you are contemplating in your mind or beginning to understand or trying to piece together is you're creating something living inside of you. And it's the only way that I can explain it. And again, it goes back to consciousness is thought. And thought is your vibration of who you are. It's your other body. So when I say it's living, I literally mean that. It's it's you're creating a living thing inside of you that's really you, but it's, it's also part of some higher vibration from some other place.
4: When getting back to your communication... I thought it was very intriguing because I I see that uh, at least a little bit about how there's almost a secret communication between you and your students that Uh certain small phrases or words that you use Uh will set off a chain reaction in that one person, and it's almost like you could sit there and explain to them for a half hour exactly what you wanted to tell them, or you could you Uh could set off this chain reaction like a a set of dominoes in their head and get Uh the the same reaction. Uh
2: Yeah, it's, it's hard to assume, but like I said, we have our own language, but a lot of that is, um, it's not just really using the words. It's the word almost invokes for them to link up for a second, and there's a lot more mental data going on between us. They've developed this telepathy of sorts, and it's a way of acknowledging something, and then me wanting to share something with them, and them knowing what frequency to tune into, what station. And that's what's really happening. I've, I've let them know and it's expanded something, but it's like in their mind, they just set up the satellite dish to receive from me. And then I'm kind of sending in a, in a blip what would be a volume of information. And it's, it's a formula of telepathy. Most people think of telepathy in its most crudest form. And that's like, can you read my mind? I'm saying one, two, three. Say one, two, three, and I'll know you're reading my mind. And telepathy is just so much more complex than that. And it, it has so much more um applicable formulas and the reason why and you guys are going to go ah the reason why most telepathy doesn't work is because you're not using it in reverse thinking and if you could do it in reverse thinking telepathy would work perfectly and this is what i'm trying to say to you guys now
5: i've, I've noticed also um, you would take some conversation that we had when i first met you mm-hmm. and somehow you, you distinguish some and I know it's just conversations conversation that me and you had, and also it will pop up in a conversation, like, months down the road. Uh-huh. And it's in a situation like this, and it's uh-huh. called that cold wire. Uh-huh. And your retention, it flows away sometimes. But um, on that question, um, back to the mind, kind of sort of... We, we talk a lot about non-thought in and meditation, and, and also in shifting, go to, like, to move and to see something but not think about it. Uh-huh. Now, is that whole... Um, being telepathic and understanding those things is, do you communicate telepathic with people in, in images? Or do you communicate telepathic with people in words? You know, like, how does that mind work? I mean, how does it...
2: Well, it, it depends on each person, because as much as you want to send something to a person, you they have to have the technology to receive. It's, it's like to say, if you didn't have that TV in this room, Could you get the signal? Do you see what I'm saying? Somebody's sending out a signal. There's data all over this room, but the data that you can get is only by the apparatus that you have here, that you've acquired or that you've set up, that you've built, that you've made. Well, when you teach, and there's different students that are at different levels that have built the apparatus to send higher volumes of data to in a conversation. And therefore, in some ways, I would say to you, yes, it could be pictures. In many cases, it's, it's imagery. In many cases, it's it's what I call condensed information. It's like all of a sudden what I need them to know, they just will will lean back for a second and then they'll sit forward. And what's just happened is they've I've just sent them, instead of speaking in words, simply what they need to know. And it's, it's like an epiphany exploding in your brain. And all of a sudden you're just like, all these flash bulbs are going off, and you're seeing and it's making absolute logic in your head. You just don't know how you just figured it out. well, it's a formula of telepathy it's It's not to say that you would sit down and, and say, "Can you hear me now? I'm going to tell you how it's done That's movies. Do you see what I'm saying? Real telepathy through a real teacher is is you just have this huge breakthrough, and you think it's you, but it's it's really the teacher linking up to you and how you're going to know this. And every student figures this out sooner or later. Is they got all of this stuff in their head and they're just like, wow. And then all of a sudden one day they sit down and they want to teach somebody. And they're like, blah. Hang on. You know, and they're like, blah. And they can't get it out of them. And they just don't understand. And they're like, well, it's, it's like this. And they start talking, but like, no, it's, and they don't, but the, it's in them and they don't understand. And then one day when the students ready, and this happens with students of mine, when they're ready, and I'll tell them they're ready, because I always say don't teach until, until I tell you you're ready to teach, because they don't get it. They think it's just it's just so simple, but they don't realize it's very complex. They're they're really taking something very intense and you know, and people are gonna be listening to these CDs, the same thing's gonna happen. And they're gonna wanna share it. And it's just it's it's like the machinery isn't there. They got the machinery to receive it, but they don't have the machinery to resend it and so there lies in the problem so you you've got to work yourself but eventually it gets a point where you're ready to 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 descend to another person and they'll get into that certain state of the mind and they'll, they'll go through the motions and it's it's a frequency you hit and you'll know it when you hit it it's like boom you're just there and you begin to project and you could say i now i understand they'll say to me i was there and and they'll want all these people to give testimony. They're like, yes, you know, such and such. Tell them, wasn't I there? And they'll be like, yeah, it was like talking to you, Eric. It was amazing, you know? And, you know, so they, they were able to hit. But they have a hard time getting back there again because it, it takes time for you to learn to stay in that place. But it's, it's not necessarily a formula. It's something that happens when, when you're ready. And wanting it to be ready and it being ready are
5: two different things. Okay, um, the last person I had is... Um... Well, before you
2: hop on, is, does that make very clear sense to you? Very clear sense. Okay. I, I
5: understand it. I appreciate that. Um, The last question I have um, is based on a lot of people who have been talking to me lately about time speeding up. Now, I'm curious if you, your your opinion, because I haven't heard you talking to about that, mm-hmm. and that I think that sort we of, mm-hmm. regard to you as a more profound I I understand. Well,
2: I, thank you for the compliment. Um. You know, it's not something, and I hate to, to downshoot it, but it's not something that I necessarily want to go fully into at this moment because I, I think we've covered an awful lot and it's getting a bit late and I think we should get near a, a wrap-up session of sorts. Um, what I would say to you is, is is the concept of time speeding up? Um, do I believe that time can speed up? Yeah, I, I believe time can speed up, but I don't think it necessarily fits into the confines of, of how we perceive physics at this point. And as you know, physics changes, in my opinion, every year is, is what science understands it. What's true this year is wrong next year, and what's, what's wrong next year is true the following year. So I, I think they're, they're improving with time, but we, we constantly change things. It's, it's to say that, you know, when we had one sort of mathematics, we had to fight to get quantum physics into place to make logic of things, and no one wanted to believe that as scientists, and they finally had to accept it. And now we have different formulas of mathematics beyond quantum physics coming out, and, and certain people just don't want to deal with it. My point is, is do I think time you know, speeds up? Yeah, I, I certainly do. And I, I have a lot to say on it, and it can affect you in some ways. In some ways, it's not really relevant. There's different stuff. There's different about the balances of water on the planet and how the rotation's moving. And Some days it speeds it up, sometimes it lowers it. Uh, there's a lot more to say on all that, whether that's correct or not. But that's a whole other conversation in itself. And what I would say to most people is there's so many more important things right now that you really need to work on. It really doesn't matter how many bags of rice you can stack in your closet today. That's how I feel about it. I mean, it it has a relevance if we think we're going to starve down the road. On the same token, right at the moment, there's more important things for I think for people to be focusing on.
5: I think it's just yeah. to be the guy I was talking to is telling how as time speeds up, like the um, the mind and its ability to create uh-huh. matter is going to speed up. Uh-huh. And So it's very careful to monitor thought um, uh-huh. because it will create faster. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know.
2: Well, let me put it this way. I mean, it, it goes right back to what I'm saying to so you. Forget, the, really, the time context. One, if you're thinking with your organic brain, you're thinking at a certain speed. For those who have computers, it's to say that you're, you're, you've are you're, you got a, a regular speed computer. And in the older computers, there used to be a thing called a turbo button. And if the computer guy ran too fast, you'd press the turbo button to slow him down so that you could control the game a little bit better, okay? Well, you just use the reverse of it. It's to say that you're thinking with organic brain, you're moving at 33 miles per hour all the time. That's what we're all moving at. So it's like driving in a car lane. You know, the other cars are doing 33 miles per hour. We're doing three. We can see what they're doing. They can see what we're doing. Okay? It's the faster lanes we're not getting. When you move your mind into the second stage, which I call low radiation impulse, okay, you are moving at, say, 66 miles per hour. Okay? It's to say that, You know, you're processing twice as much or able to do more at a faster speed or rate, which makes you feel that time is slowing down. Is time really slowing down or are you just moving faster? When you finally move to the third state, which is pure electrical thought, and you stop all the chitter-chatter in your mind, you learn to think in a different way, okay? Okay. What happens is you're moving at 99 miles per hour. Does that mean that time is moving slower, or are you just able to do a lot more because you're moving faster? Well, when you're moving that fast, you don't realize you're moving that fast. Everything just seems slow to you. So does it mean that time is really slower, or does it mean that time does not necessarily mean what you think it means to you? Another rendition is to say that a lot of people who have accidents say that in the midst of the accident, they see time blow past them. They see their whole life flash before them. What does that mean? They see their childhood, their life, who they loved, who they didn't love, yada, 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 yada. I was in an accident many years ago, and my car hit. These drunk drivers were in the middle of the road, and my, my I ended up not able to maneuver fast enough to get out of the predicament I was moving about. I don't know, probably 65 miles per hour or whatever. Whatever the speed limit was. Ha ha ha. Anyway, so I ended up crashing into these to these people whose cars had gotten in a wreck from them being drunk and my car flew in the air, landed on the roof and it went way down the road and it eventually smashed into the guardrails. Okay? What I remember, particularly in, in that stage of consciousness, which was I was not in any higher state of consciousness. I was focused on me being physically here, you know, driving from where I was and needing to get to where I needed to be. And getting in an accident, and I remember the shock, the, huh ah. And what happened was, I think that when you're filled with so much adrenaline, not only are you filled with physical, but if you can't move because you're in a car, there's not much you can do, but your mind is now in hyperspeed. And what I realized was, is I was aware in some part of the car in slow motion in the air. I was I was aware of myself in the air, upside down in the car, thinking how ups, a, unusual it felt. You know, I'd never been in a car upside down in the air. And then I remember it crashing, and I remember seeing the window become all brittle, and then whoosh, break. And I remember them, it was like out of a movie, you know, like how they, they show all the scenes of. And then it would, it would then move fast and it's slow. Like I was wavering in between all these points. Like I'd, I'd be part of the moment of it happening to me. And then I would be part of the observer in slow motion seeing everything happen. So what I'm saying to you is that the brain synapses speed up and they become more faster in their responses electrically. Keep in mind, I don't necessarily believe that the biochemical part of the brain that most people think with now can really produce chemicals so quickly to keep up with with what's happening so fast in your mind so it really goes back to what I'm saying about it railroading into that higher stage of consciousness it's just forced on you for a moment do you understand and I'm thinking oh well, I'm gonna I'm gonna die this is it i this is my ticket out of here you know and I was thinking to myself you know this really sucks I don't want to die in a car accident. I want to have some, you know, really divine death at least, you know. Let me die in bed with, you know, a bunch of my friends all around me, you know, or or you know, for for the sake of that time my ego, you know, I, I wanted somebody to hold my hand and oh Eric, don't leave us, you know. Uh you know, whatever. Just you know, it can't be like this. And I remember being like, this bites. And then saying to myself, well, you know, I I really want to get out of here anyway, you know, so it doesn't matter. But, you know, darn, I wish, you know, I wish I would have talked to my friend Dan. There's so many things I should have said to him. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm like... God, this is taking a long time, and, the, and the, the, the wind is is coming through the windshield, and I got water and mud on me, and I'm not even aware of it to that moment. And I'm looking around at the car, at my predicament, and I'm looking, it's just, and i have seen the sparks, and I'm like, Jesus, what when is when am I gonna crash? You know? And then I'm thinking, you know, well, is this thing gonna like something gonna shaft through me, or, 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 you know, that's how I'm gonna go. It's gonna, it's a piece of metal. And then I'm like thinking about all these lower things about like how I'm gonna die. I said, well, maybe something's gonna shoot through my head in any minute. And is that the Motor ripping out now. The motor was coming in towards me, and it's like slow motion. I'm like, well, now I'm going to be squashed. This sucks, I'm thinking, you know. And I'm saying, and now what am I going to do? I never got to say goodbye to this person. Oh, they're going to so – I wanted to tell them how much I love them and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking about all these thoughts in my head and seeing all these pictures in my head and everything. And I stop again. I'm like, when am I going to crash? I'm going to die already. What is the hold up already, you know? And I'm thinking, this is taking a really long time. And then finally the car goes ah. – and it, it, like, bangs into the guardrails, and I'm thinking, all right, well, it must be slow motion because I, I, I should be going over the cliff now or whatever's over the hill. For sure i got to die. And then it wasn't moving. Then I realized, oh, I stopped. It's over now. This, we're in real time. It's, it's finally stopped. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, so I better get out of the car. And I'm trying to get out of the car, and I can't get out of the car. The window can't roll from where I'm at. The engine is squashed. The car is, like, I mean, it was bad. And so I'm wiggling around and, and stuff, and I'm thinking just, not like am I dead or something between, I'm just pissed because I'm, I'm wet and, and it's cold out, and but this sucks, I wanted to be home already, and you know, well now I'm alive, and, and you know, now I really just want to get off the rock, and I just wanted to move on to the next dimension, I figured I got a free ticket out of here, you know, and that was a disappointment in some ways too, not that I really want to die, but anyway, so I find the crawl out of the one, there's another cart that hit it. And they were swerving, and instead of them stopping, they kept on going, which I thought was really horrible. So I crawl out the window, and this other car was coming at me somehow steady, and I thought, all oh, right, this is it. So I get out, and I look at the car, and it, and I'm like, Shh, you know, I'm like pissed, because this was like one of my first cars I bought. And these are the things I'm thinking of, Okay. Mm-hmm. And you think somebody would be glad they're alive, okay? So I shake my pants off. I'm mad because my clothing's got dirt. and I have, like, this white shirt and stuff. So then I straighten my clothes out a little bit, and then I realize, oh, my God, there must be other people in the car. So I ran up there, and I start directing traffic and, and stuff and trying to, to see what I can do for these people. And I ran back to my car because one girl was on the ground, and she was bleeding. And I, I went, and I says, I have a I have a blanket. I thought, I'll go get the blanket so I can put it on her because she's just laying on the pavement, and the road's wet. And so I ran back to my car, and the blanket that I had in there was sliced right in half. So I had one half. I didn't know where the other half went. I was like a razor. said sheet metal from the car ripping up. It was a very bad accident. Ripped this in half, and that was like in the seat right behind me. Do you see what I'm saying? So needless to say, I gave that to her, and we used it for a pillow for her, and then I jerked her. And then the ambulance finally started to come And they're, whatever, and they ask, how long have you been on the scene? I says, I don't know. I says, probably the last 20 minutes or so, you know. And they're like, okay, okay. And, you know, what do you know here? What about these people in the car? I says, well, I can see there's four people in the car, blah, 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 blah. And I says, this is the car, you know, that I hit. And he says, wait a minute, you hit. Which car is yours? And I says, oh, mine's way down there. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, you see the little two lights way down the road on, you know, hanging on the guardrail. And they looked at each other. They go, you Okay. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, you just help these people. And they're, they're like, well, and then they start saying, well, what, what? so anyway, they want to put me in the thing, you know. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm okay. So they're arguing with me. And then they, they walk down. It, Was anybody else in the car with you? Was anybody else in the car with you? And I'm like, no, there's no one else in the car. And they, they want to make sure you're not shooken up. So they're looking at the car and they're saying, how did you get out of the car? You know, I said, I crawled through that window. This is you were driving the car because it, it's like the whole, it's like mushed. It's in the seat, you know, and I, and I looked at it after. I was like, how in the hell did I get out of that? And I, I didn't have a scratch, not a scratch on me. A little dirty. I was mad about that. So I think it's a, a wonderful thing that I didn't get hurt. But so that was my, my car accident, thing. So the reason for this whole conversation now that I got off track was about time. So what happens is the neurosynapses of the brain processes faster. So what really happens? Did the whole car accident happen in a few seconds? Or was it really like what felt to me like 10 minutes? Okay. Was that because my mind was so speeding up? And is it the only reason I can do this is because I am conscious of myself. And that's what I teach. So I can think about what happened and why I was thinking about all these things. And really what was going on. So it gets back into time. If you become an in a state of consciousness with your energy so high, you will perceive life in a different way. It's not a bad way. It's a different way. And therefore, this opens many, many doorways for for the whole conversation on time. And I don't think most people understand time. They think time is like from A to Z and how long is it going to take you to walk from A to Z, as in distance. And time is something very different than what most people understand. And this is again another four hour conversation that I will teach you. For when you move into the dimensional planes, it is so different there. It's very interesting. I'll just throw something out just to put a tailspin on it and we're going to wrap it up. And you're going to be like, oh no, wait a minute, that opens up a whole bunch of questions. If you dream, is it a dream or is it an alternate reality that you visit and the time that you're there that you don't remember? Could it possibly be that you could be there for weeks or months or years and then you come back to this dimension and it's a different frequency of time? Just something for you to chew on. Does everybody get that? Okay. All right. And that's a whole lecture in itself that I, I teach on and what's really going on in, in different contexts. And it's not to say that dreams aren't really dreams. I think for the most part they are. I think that's the brain's way of therapy. But I also do believe that there are other dimensions and other places that one can exist And because you're a frequency of energy, what is a minute here is like a day in this other place. And you got to remember, you're sleeping maybe in that state of mind for a couple hours before it shifts into you know various stages of mind. And you know, it'd be nice if you could decide where you want to go. You could take a little vacation every night. Anyway, (laughs) so we're gonna go ahead and stop this and. uh,
5: Higher Balance offers a wide variety of metaphysical DVDs and audio programs. For more details, please visit us at www.higherbalance.com forward slash modules or call us toll free at 1-800-935-4007 during normal business hours Monday through Friday 9 a.m. to 6 p.m.
0: A lot of people ask us, where's the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the foundation meditation system. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website foundationmeditation.com to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises and more digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com order the set on discount now and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders again that's higherbalancebooks.com go there now order your set and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts follow us on instagram at Institute, all one word If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. Meditation.
1: It's more than just relaxation. There are different kinds of meditation, just like there are different tools to do a job. Finding the right kind of meditation will decide whether you awaken, or whether you just simply drift. Energy, more than just a thought, but of movement that you can literally feel through your body. Visions, more than a faded idea within your consciousness, but rather A vivid reality so clear, it will make you question reality itself. Meditation, if used properly, will show you how to move the currents of your mind into a better life, a more prosperous life. Consciousness expanding, memory improvement, inner balance, higher balance. Most of all, discover who and what you are and what you can do. Join us at Higher Balance Institute. We'll help change your world.